Hey folks, welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf as ever. Brought to you thanks to the folks at Seed Golf Balls. So check them out at www.seedgolf.com. Whilst you're here, and if you like this episode or other episodes, please leave a review where you can, so over at Apple Podcasts, most likely. If you want to learn more, listen to back episodes, or indeed become part of the Paddy Talks community, head over to paddygolf.com. Join the timesheet over there for random giveaways. Believe me, they are random. And some competitions. Now, let's get to why you're really here this week's episode. Which is with the money man, the currency trader extraordinaire, and Irish professional golfer, the Tullamore man, Stuart Grehan, is this week's chat. But first, as Gabe Byrne would have said, roll it there, Colette. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Brawley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Brawley, what do you think of that? This week's show, we have a former Irish number one amateur, winner of the East of Ireland, South of Ireland in 2015, represented Ireland at multiple levels. The Mullingar Scratch Trophy is in his boot of his car to boot. Stuart Grehan, how are we getting on? I'm not too bad. How are you? Trying grand now that we're all back in the golf course. And this is actually one of the first podcasts I'm recording post lockdown. So everything else was in the tank. So this is <laughs> the most up to date one we'll have in the tank <laughs> for That's a while. Good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So come here to me, Tulla, Tullamore man, is that right? Tullamore man, yeah. Uh, not anymore though, I recently moved house in the last year, so I haven't been back there in a while. Um, so so I asked Gary Hurley what's it like being a Waterford man um, in one of the early episodes. So what's it like growing up in Tullamore? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know any different to be honest growing up, but uh, I love this. You know, I had a great group of friends growing up. We were always on the golf course. Um yeah, as I said, I, I love this. Um, obviously, you know, seeing Shane up the road as well, another Offaly man, not not quite Tullamore, but Clara man, um, which, yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed my, my childhood and stuff like that. Things are a little bit different now living up here. But, um, yeah, I loved it now, to be honest. Where are you now? Don't say the big I smoke. In, I'm not in the big smoke. I was there for a couple <laughs> of years. Um, but oh, I'm up in Terminal Pecking in County Loud. And you couldn't be in a better place somewhere. Uh, is that like Connor? I think that's Connor Nolan country, if that's certainly right. Um, that's right, yeah. He's only two minutes down the road from me here. So it's, it's lovely up here. I mean, it's only two minutes uh, to the golf course and to the beach. So, I mean, location is great. That's a win-win situation. Come here to me. What would be your earliest memory of golf then? Would it be with the, ki- with the lads growing up? Or? Yeah, actually, it was with my dad. Um, I was kind of a lace developer as such um, I didn't really start playing the game until I was 13 um, but I, I do remember going out one day to Tullamore and it was on the 11th hole this is my earliest memory and I remember hitting an 8 iron from like 100 yards and uh, I just skied it and it came up like 50 yards short of the green and that's all like, that's like my first memory of golf um, on the actual golf course but I started playing pitch and put that's the way I kind of got into the game um, I love. I think that. that's the only thing we have in common. Go <laughs> no ahead, really. You, you, you got very, good, you got very good at the game. I got Midland. Yeah, across the road from Flannan's College is a, a pitch and put. So my dad was a teacher, so he used to study after school. I didn't. <laughs> uh, he supervised <laughs> the study. 
So yeah, I always tip over for two hours or three hours, might even two rounds in, yeah. So pitch and put seems to be a lot of a place where a lot of um the pros these days in Ireland actually started. Actually, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is was when I left the pitch and put to go to the golf course, my short game was was, you know, really, really good compared to the lads I was playing against. So it kind of gave me a big advantage. And, you know, I could kind of hack it around and then once I got up near the green I felt like I could get up and down and anywhere. Now given Given, you know, a generation or two, Offaly is either a football county or a hurling county. So aside from pitch and put at the time, was there any other, I suppose, conflicting or any other sports that you played? Yeah, I wasn't a big uh, GA man, to be honest. I played a little bit of hurling up until I was four, 13, 14, um, but mostly football, as in soccer. Like, um, I love that, still do to this day. Um, but that was what I played until I was about 16. And then the kind of golf kind of took over from there. Um, but I still Who, who's your team I, then? Chelsea. We've had a good, uh, had a good summer window. Well, you've had a good <laughs> summer window, is right. Yes, they're signing people around you. Eh? I know, team. yeah. Exactly. Lampard effect. <laughs> so 16 years of age, kind of focusing on golf. Would that be about right? You kind of zoned in on, on, the, on the sticks yeah. then? Yeah, about 15, 16, I started to get kind of good and I had aspirations of going to uh, college in the States and then I kept kind of progressing from there really and did, did okay in a few boys events and that kind of gave me more confidence and then my kind of breakthrough was the Irish boys when I was 17, I finished second um, and then after that then just kind of kept progressively getting better so and um, yeah, a late, a late developer because some guys at that age are off like plus three, plus four, shooting second ten under par. It's crazy stuff. Can't all be Paul Dunn, but um, well, that's it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's some journey from like 13, 14 years of age, and within two or three years, you were you know competing for Leinster boys. So the handicap would have been what? Would have been two or three or better? Uh, I plus one when I was 17, so I had a really quick kind of turnaround when I was say 13 to 17 as such. Was that all self-taught or were you going getting lessons somewhere? Um yeah it was kind of a bit a bit of both. I mean I literally was on the golf course on like eight to eight every day. You know playing 36 <laughs> holes so exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and like there was three of us in a kind of a group and we used to play like these games uh, you know, we'd have like these punting games and stuff. It was it was class, um, and I loved it. Like we both, we all enjoyed it. So I just kind of kept getting better. So that was really that was really the catalyst. And there was a few lessons here and there, but um, nothing nothing at that age that was too extreme. So when this podcast goes out, leave and search will kind of have gotten their results. I think so. I'll actually have my ass and gear on this one. It'll be out like in the next week or so. Mm. Um, so when you were about that age, 16, 17, 18, you said that you were kind of angling for um, an American trip, right? So mm-hmm. when you um, had that result in the Leinster boys, whose radar did you show up on or were you sending out like cover letters and your, your golfing CV to places? Yeah, it's a great, yeah, it was actually Irish boys, so it was even bigger again, um, which is great. But yeah, I didn't really have the golf CV as such as like a really, really top college. Um, but I got in touch with a guy in Eastern Michigan. And, you know, he said, look, he'd love, he'd love to have me on board.
to be honest, apart from that result, I didn't really show much promise um, as a boy. And then, um, yeah, that's that's how we pretty much got in got into the stage. We literally got one contact uh, from home. We got in contact with him, and that, and that was that. You know, I didn't really have cover letters going out or sending my things off to their colleges. You know, it was just one one contact, and you know, got in touch with this one coach, and so it happened to work out for me. So. Everyone envisions, uh, I suppose, American colleges as like, you know, American movies. How, and I would have asked <laughs> Olivia Mahaffey this and maybe Lauren Walsh this, and they said, yeah, it's, it's pretty close. It's like, what's, is Michigan, I've no idea where it is, right? So is it West Coast, East Coast, in the middle? It's kind of mid, they say Midwest, but it's actually kind of more Mideast, uh, if that makes sense. It's like just uh, east of Chicago, if you know where that is. I have you now. Yeah, I have you yeah. now. It's a very, very. I know where it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, very cold in the winter. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> so, what was it like? The move was it your first time kind of spending time away from home to hit Michigan, or what was what was that like? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We like we never did a visit. Um, you know, I literally just said, you know, I'm gonna pack up and go. And my dad came over with me for six days. We left on. New Year's Day 2013, um, and I remember I flew in to Chicago and then flew over to Detroit and got off the plane and it was like minus 10. I was like, oh my God, what am I, what am I doing here? Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was cold, but like during the, their winter as such, we used to go down to Florida quite a bit and practice and play and stuff like that. So it wasn't all bad. Um, but after about a year, of doing those sort of things, it kind of got to me, you know, like if I really want to get better, I can't be really hitting in a bubble, you know, half the year. And, um, you know, where other guys are down South in the sun, you know, practicing all day, whereas I only have, you know, hit balls for a couple of hours in a bubble. So, um, yeah, my uh, trip to America only lasted 12 months, unfortunately. Yeah. But there's, I think there's a lot of learnings there, you know, for yourself, even going forward for like, if you're going out on tour now next year in the challenge tour to kind of maybe, you know, do a bit more networking or, or pre-work. Would, would that be right? What, what do you mean? So, like, I moved abroad for a couple of years for work. And mm. like that, <laughs> I got, like, a week's notice. You know, hey, kid, you're going to Italy. I was like, nice one. Like, you put me up. No, find that yourself. Find this yourself. You know, so it really took me six months to kind of figure stuff out. Well, I'm a, right. ver- I'm a very process-led person. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'd be kind of like, I'm Mr. Checklist, you know? And I'll, and I'll research, I researched this podcast stuff for six months before actually pressing the record button. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. I'll start me forward. So what I mean is kind of, it's even almost like the gossiping or like for a tournament. If you feel like you've prepared, you might have a better result. And that might be just be me. But um, if you look back on your, your year spent, is there anything you would have changed? Like, you know, would you have gone to Michigan? If you were in that space again, would you have gotten a couple of CV, like, letters and sent them out to other colleges or asked some of the boys on the home internationals if you were with what the crack yeah, was great question yeah to be, to be honest I actually played brilliant over there I mean I um, for how much I, I didn't really like the weather and the schooling a little bit I actually on the golf course I was brilliant you know, I, I, I won once and I had a couple of really good finishes so my first year was quite strong and I was thinking about actually uh, transferring down to Tennessee I met a 
I met a coach when I was down in Argentina, believe it or not, uh, away in an Irish trip. It was during oh, one of them. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so we, we kind of had a brief little chat and I was thinking about, you know, transferring down there to Tennessee. But the the problem was that I had to kind of redshirt for a year. So that means you basically have to take the year out because the NCAA don't allow it because of their rules and regulations. It's quite a strict uh, organization. Um, so it ended up not just not happening. And I came home and eventually went to Minutes for three years to kind of cut a, a long story short. So Minute, Barry Fenley, how, since you've, you've experienced both sides, so you've experienced like what the American side is like and the Irish side is like, how would you stack them up? Um, yeah, great, great question. I mean, the, the American system is, is, is great. They're both, both systems are great, but I mean, at the very, very high end, like the best players in the world, I think, go to American colleges in terms of, you know, when they turn pro, I mean, they're all on, they're all on tour now. So you have like Victor and if these are guys I played against, Sam Horsfield, all them, they're all in the top schools over in the States. Now, it, Barry is doing a great job in Minute and Minute to treat me brilliant and I love it. Um, and it's really starting to develop. So hopefully now in the next couple of years that myself and other guys that did go to Minute are able to get on tour. You know, that attracts other players to come to Minute because it's a great system there as well. Um, it just doesn't have that, uh, you know, the competitiveness just yet um, in terms of the American system. I would say I would say the recognition. I would say Barry is doing like I I have an episode with Barry in the tank mm. since before lockdown. <laughs> that I'm like I still have to put it out, and I'm trying to put it out in time with like the leaving start results and stuff because that's what we talked talked about. There's loads of different options in menus in terms of the different tiers and all that. But from like I got the tour and, and like you know I I got a cat from my lessons in the GOI Academy, so you see, you know guys down from Minute and guys like yourself and and. Um, Paul McBride and the boys, and even Paddy H comes back and spends time in camps. So, like the facilities are, if, if, they're, if they're good enough for Mr. Harrington, like they're, they're good enough for everyone. Yeah. But I would say it's, it's, uh, and not to put any, like to, to talk Madonna or anything, but he's doing a hell of a lot with the resources he has in terms of, yeah. he's doing a lot himself in terms of it's a one man band. So, in terms of if they had a bit more resources in terms of, like the marketing and getting the right people to talk about it. And, you know, mm. we, we all say in my line of work, like customer stories, you know, so like, you know, player profiles who've been through it and, and to get that, to get not only Irish players to stay here, but get people from abroad in, you know, maybe yeah. lads going to tier two or tier three NCAA colleges for the American experience. Well, you know, maybe do a year or two here and build yourself, build your profile and then go over for your semester exactly. or whatever, you know. Yeah, I think he's doing a great job. Um, like some of the events, myself and the lads played, like we went over to Arizona a couple of times to play in the Patriot All-American event. And that was that was one of the, my most favourite uh, memories of such as amateur golf, you know. Um, like, you know, you go over there in, in December and, you know, you're going from pretty poor weather here, soft conditions to like a really tough American course in the middle of the, the desert you know that was incredible went over there twice I really enjoyed that and then Palmer Cup that was one of my fondest memories ever you know playing that twice great event and I think it's only going to go from strength to strength uh, no and, and you know and it speaks wonders again for, for Barry's program is you know people 
we're going over and competing with like competing with 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 the top guys in, in the top places um a quote from Mr. McElroy a few years ago was, you know, I think it was, well, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago when you talked about Shane Lowry turning pro is if, if you dominate kind of the amateur scene, that's when you know, you know, that's, that, that's the kind of the time to turn pro. So for yourself, you know, Mullingar, the East, um, the South, down home, as I call it, you know, you're on the wall. <laughs> um, it, was that the competitive event to turn pro that you were like, you know, I, ha- I have my... I have I have the trophies in the cabinet, you know. Let, let's take a step up. Or what was your compelling event to 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 pull the trigger? Yeah, great question. Yeah, or um, yeah, I felt like I, I was the year before. I think twenty sixteen had a great year international, like domestically. Twenty fifteen is brilliant, and then in twenty sixteen uh, internationally, I played really really well. Um, did everything I could to be honest. And then twenty seventeen was obviously you know Walker Cup this, that, and the other. And I got off to a nice start in the year. And I actually, I broke my arm in May of that year. And not many people know that. And I didn't That's a timing issue, did. isn't it? May. Yeah, yeah, big timing issue. So that was, um, that was, that was an awful time for me, to be honest. I was just finishing college and, you know, I was going to have a lovely run of events and, you know, I was in a pretty good spot or I felt like I was in a pretty good spot to make that Walker Cup team. And, I broke my arm, unfortunately. I missed out in probably six or seven events. And I still had time coming back, but I had so much pressure on myself to try and perform. I just wasn't able to do it. Um, and I went over to the US Amateur and I knew that I needed like a quarterfinal or a semifinal and I missed the cut. Um, and I wasn't entered in Mullingar at the time, but I said, look, you might as well go home and try and, uh, you know, try, try and get a win and feel somewhat better about your golf because I knew it was going to turn pro Q good anyway and I ended up winning that and that was kind of a, a telling to myself that look I think if you play well enough you're good enough to, to make it so that was why I kind of turned pro at that time No it's like that little quote there it's kind of like uh, uh, like bring it back to Irish GAA is like I played going to the GAA I played a junior football match when I was 15 just kind of mm. real but it's like if you're good enough you're old enough you know so it's <laughs> yeah. like it's kind of same for yourself you know if if i'm able to play then i'm you know i can pull the trigger on this so yeah so q school you know there's so many different entry points for 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 people who want to like for yourself who, who've become a touring professional not just like someone in a pro shop right for a touring professional like and i'm only learning from talking with the likes of yourself and ronan malarney and, and paul mcbride and stuff is there so many levels before you even get to the people we see in the TV, you know, mm. and mm. It's, it's far from private jets is the expect is the expectation level. Absolutely. So what was your entry point then into the professional ranks? Q school. Yeah. Q school was kind of my first introduction. Um, and looking back at it mentally, I wasn't in a good place at the time, even though I just won one in Gar previous, I was always thinking about Walker cup. Like I should have been, could have been on that team. should have been on that team because I pretty much made every other team and did as much as I could in the amateur game, that was kind of the final tick of the box as such. Um, but yeah, my my entry was kind of Q school. To be honest, I thought it was like a really good amateur event, probably this first stage anyway. And then obviously the more you go up, the higher the level. Um, unfortunately, I missed, I missed first stage. And then um, I had a couple of, couple of months off and then I played that Portugal tour down in, 
where was it? Down in the Algarve, I can't remember the golf course, and that was kind of my first kind of real introduction as such to professional golf, which is, I mean, it's probably like a Euro Pro standard. Maybe a few Challenge Tour players. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction as such. So, so where would you say you are now in terms of, so you would have turned pro in 18, 19? No, uh, just, yeah, eight, start of 18, basically, just before yeah. the end of 2017, yeah. yeah. November, I think. So looking back on that first year, status kind of Alps Euro Pro bit of challenge. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So after your first year, did you, did you do like a review and have a look back and say, okay, what, what the learns are? So from your first year on, on tour or tours, mm-hmm. what, where were the learning points for you? Was it, was it game-wise? Was it mental-wise? Was it preparation-wise? Or maybe all three? Yeah, probably all three. Yeah, I actually played really well my first year. I think my first event was I got my I finished third at Q School in the Euro Pro, and then my first Euro Pro event I finished second. Um, I was unlucky not to win that one, to be honest. And then I kind of went on a pretty solid run. Actually, I played a few Challenge Tour events, a few top thirties, and actually had a good chance in Switzerland to not not maybe not win, but at least come second. I was third going into the last round, and to be honest, I kind of. Uh, Pressure kind of got to me a little bit and I finished 30th or something. But the first year was, I, I played quite well. And then I just kind of put the first year down as a kind of an apprentice year. And, you know, learned what I felt like I needed to get better at for the, the following year. And then 2018, sorry, that was 2018, 2019, which was last year. And yeah, I kind of went searching a little bit, to be honest. I thought the, I thought the perfect golf swing existed, which it does not. <laughs> Definitely does not. Um, and got very technical and very internal about things. Where would you say that came from? Great question. Um, I'm a devil for my phone. So looking at... <laughs> probably looking at people online, uh, on social media a little bit too much for me anyway. That was probably the the biggest biggest thing, um, and then looking at other people that like you've played with growing up and had so much success. It's like why can't I, why can't I get where he is right now? Like what what what's making him do this? You know that sort of way. Um, so that was probably that was probably the biggest thing. So more of a mindset. So how would you say the mindset has changed then, once you've kind of got through that? We'll say challenging few months. Oh yeah, last year was very challenging. I must say. Um, how would I get through? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably re- realize it, realizing it more so than anything. Um, it took me quite a while now, to be honest. I mean, I, I started to kind of do a lot of writing to, to kind of f- figure out what I'm thinking about most of the time. Um, and then just kind of being honest with yourself, being real with yourself. That's probably the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah, that's tough Where to you- do. That's very, That's very tough to do. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I kind of had to do it. I mean, I, I was worrying about everything, everyone else apart from myself, if that makes sense. So you're always looking at other people shooting scores or doing this, that, and the other, where you should be kind of looking at yourself more so than anything. Like I, I relate, I suppose, sales or, or business a lot across to, to golf. Like if you're ever on any of my sales calls, like there's analogies of golf swings and like preparation, all that jazz everywhere. Um, mm. 
but like if you see the top like performing salespeople uh, in our organization anyway there's an open door policy where yeah, I can go and I can talk to sure Brehan number one salesperson in Southern California if I want I can reach out and say hey can you walk me through a day in your life did you do any of that like did you do any of that for other pros like you said X has a fantastic swing I'd love to have that but through your kind of self-discovery did you reach out to anyone and you know for like a breakdown of how they do things with a view to maybe take on anything yourself yeah I, I do that a, a fair bit actually and um, I used to well you know obviously know who Jack Hume is uh, you know great player doesn't play anymore but when I played a lot with him growing up I always used to kind of ask him after the round look what do you think I could do to get better like what do you think I did really well or what do you think I did really bad and I like I like people I like asking people you know what what they think whether it's good or bad because I think self um, like constructive criticism is the best thing ever I think especially for me anyway um, and they they'll give you an honest opinion and then whether it's good or bad you kind of go away and work on it and see what you can kind of get better at so that's that's kind of my way of of doing things as such or trying to get better. No, absolutely like I, I'm a big promoter of like your personal boardroom mm. so you have you have like the person who's like has an access to a network of other people for introductions you have this person that you know will speak good of you if you need to bring to like a function mm. or a party or you know that type yeah, of yeah, yeah it's like six or seven people so would you have that kind of that person now maybe the Jack Hume of today where you can just go hey can I ask you this question and it could be out completely out of left field you know you have that person or, or that whatsapp group of people uh, I wouldn't have a WhatsApp group, but I would have a few people I could, I could send a message to. Yeah, um, yeah, I would have that. I don't know if you. I'm not going to say names. Oh, uh, no, I don't expect that. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't but, call uh, anybody out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I would. Yeah, I'd have a couple of people that I could reach out to and look, ask a few questions, or they tell me the harsh truth, or not harsh truth, but uh, yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. Is David Roddy, one of those people. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, um, yeah, we get on quite well. We've uh, had a good couple of sessions now, and yeah, he would be. Yeah, he's he's helped me a lot. Though. He's, I've got a great understanding of what I do well uh, for my swing, so I'm trying to get there now at the minute. Um, we'll get there. I just need to be a bit more patient. Obviously, this year is a bit of a funky year. I don't know when I'm going to actually play next again. Um, but look, we just have to take that as it is and 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 work work towards trying to get better and go from there. Absolutely. Something that um, that normally, like, I get taken aback, I'm not taken aback, but like when you're speaking to other amateur golfers, right? Number one, never take any advice from another amateur golfer. Um, <laughs> but they always do. So like I have a father-in-law who plays off whatever, 20, and he'll come back saying, oh, Joe told me I'm doing this. And it's like, Joe plays off 24, you play off 20. Like, you <laughs> so like... Um, how important, so like, it always makes me laugh, you know, when someone says, oh, I'm trying to get down to eight or I'm trying to get down to scratch. And I'm like, oh yeah, so like, who are you going to for lessons? Like, I'm not getting lessons, right? And I'm like, like, pros get lessons. Like, how important is it to have, you know, someone looking at your swing or even if you're going like every two weeks or once a month or whatever, how important is that simply to just keep you on track or even get help you improve? Oh, it's huge. I mean, uh yeah, like I've I've learned things now over the last 
I was actually down the last couple of days, so I'm only after getting home uh, last night, but I've learned things in my swing that I didn't even know existed. But at the same time, there's a reason. I, I need to get them better because I, I literally couldn't get my driver up in the air. Like, it was it was incredible. Um, but yeah, no, it's very important because I think if you're doing everything yourself, then like it's it's a lot of pressure on your on you the whole time. Whereas sometimes just asking a question or getting some information off someone else, it's kind of a, a weight off your shoulder as such. That's what I that's what I feel anyway. I don't know if it works for everybody, but it's always nice to ask questions, even if you know, say if someone's struggling with uh, melted melted uh, mental health. It's always good to talk to someone, you know the way, you know, it's always good to do these sort of things. So I think it's very important. Absolutely. You kind of, like not to mux, not to like blow smoke up your hole, right? <laughs> but like right. You, you remind me of like the Tommy Fleetwood story a little bit. You know, like okay. 13, 14, couldn't get the driver in the air and literally a bit of work. Now a bit of work in Fleetwood terms of probably like ten thousand balls and you know, the mental side and all mm. that stuff and got his his um his boardroom in gear and then like bam, just click time, you know? So, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, I'm, I'm actually still struggling with that just a hair, but I know why I do it. So now, now that I know why I should be able to rectify that in the next couple of weeks, if I put in the right work. Oh, deadly. Quick question. What areas, right? And it could be the travel. It could be, it could be the, the budget hotels, um, and those little corner bars, but what areas of being a professional have you like really read it, really enjoyed? I love playing, like I really do. I must say, I love playing. Um, when you play well, <laughs> it's nice. Uh, look, you're well. When you do play well, now I haven't made that much money, but the first check I got, I think it was only like five hundred pounds or something. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. That was uh, that yeah. was cool. I mean, look, checking account. But um, obviously, if you play well, you know, money. The money's pretty good. Obviously, the higher you go up, the better it is. But I love playing. I must say. Um, it's a little bit different atmosphere compared to amateur because you know everyone's a bit more ruthless and everyone's a bit more in their own zone. Um, the traveling, I don't mind. A lot of people don't like it. I don't mind. I actually love aviation anyway, so I'm always looking at the planes to see what what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, competing is probably the the biggest one to be honest. I just love love playing golf. something i i try and ask like professionals or or people on tour um and all that travel is how do you afford it good question i mean we've great like i I was lucky when i turned pro i had some decent sponsorship you know from team ireland uh minute have been great to me for the first two years and other other little companies here and there along the way, and then some help from members. I had a day in Tullamore. So there's there's revenue streams there, well, a couple of years ago now, but and then Team Ireland, obviously, this year was another great help. So, I mean, these, these all add up. And my, my kind of side thing, I always, I always, I'm quite interested in investing. So I always try to have a side hustle of some sort to try and keep revenue coming in, you know, when things, when you can't play or when things are not going so good so it was nice to have something else to kind of fall back on as such do you want to tell me about that little company now or will we take that off <laughs> <laughs> don't have a don't have a company but I, over lockdown i did a financial course uh, or sorry a course in financial trading so that was pretty interesting uh i just listened to john belford's audiobook right 
Oh, wow. So, so it's more so about sales and stuff. So it's more yeah. about people trying to sell you stock, right? So I'm not going to try to sell you stock. But it is very interesting in terms of like to be successful and to sell stuff. But um, but yeah, uh, keep an eye on cloud tech companies who are about to go to IPO. That's 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 really all you got to do, right? If you're buying and selling shares. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more into, I was more into currencies a couple of weeks ago. Um, but like now, obviously, with golf back and stuff, I'm not, not being on the computer as much because you need to really track it. Like, and there's a little bit of uh, a work to do in it. But if you get it right, I mean, you can make some nice, nice money here and there. That's an entirely different podcast I need to start launching now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> currencies are Stuart Graham. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the I know the lingo anyway. That's about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so just looking back then over the last year, um, or even you know through amateur days, what would you've seen as maybe the hardest event or the a tough scenario that you've had to deal with under pressure, and why? Jesus, hardest event. Could have been like um, that USM a few days. I don't know. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the most nervous has probably been is probably the only thing I can think of, really. Um, when was that? Yeah, it was. I can still remember. It was 2015, East of Ireland, last day, waking up that morning because I was playing. I was training well, and I think I was leading by six or something going into the last day, and everyone was just saying to me. Oh, like this, like not, not, not they're telling me he's going to walk it or anything like that, but it was just like, oh, yeah, you sh- should be able to win this one now from here. You know, this sort of lingo that you, yeah. you don't like to hear before you go out. Very and, Irish, that lingo, isn't it? It's not like very, if you're in America, it's like, best luck to me, Stuart. While yeah, over here, yeah. it's like, actually, you're going to win this anyway. You know? Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. And like a few people from Tullamore were up and they're telling me this before. I was like, oh my God. And um, yeah, I couldn't even eat my breakfast that morning. So that was probably the most nervous, and to get that one done, obviously, was it was great. And um, albeit a storm came in, but it was it was a I was up by a few anyway, so it was all good. And have you any, I suppose, from being on tour now, um, so whether it's apps or Q School or or Northern Ireland a couple of weeks ago, have you any like particular like a memorable story or essentially like a, a European tour tale for us? Um. <laughs> Not a social on tour. I mean, there was a few good ones back in the day with the amateur golf, but I don't know how much I can tell. <laughs> the uh, Dawson I mean, and his horses. Is that what you're going to tell me? <laughs> I don't know. There might have been, but I mean, we had a few good nights out all right after. Um, a few in France and stuff like that. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I can disclose of that. <laughs> Maybe ask no, you're too good. Hands. You're too good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quick fire Q and A time, right? So uh, we get straight into it. So are you ready for this? Whatever comes into your head, first thing, right? Right. What would your walk on song be, Stuart Graham? Drake, uh, Greece. I fucking hate Drake, but anyway, gym or pizza? Gym. Hat visor or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? Bucket hat. Man, Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore. Guinness, Heineken or iced tea? Guinness. The Hinch or Port <laughs> Marnock? <laughs> oh, the Hinch. Walk or cart? Walk. 
Win the Masters or win the Open? Open. Would you rather drive it 300 yards every time? Probably do anyway. Or never miss a 10-foot putt? Never miss a 10-foot putt. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Play or practice? Play. Now, I ain't got, good man, thanks for all those answers. I'm going to actually get rid of half of those, right? I'm going to ask this question. It's just the first time I've ever asked this question, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you had like, it's post-round, whatever, it's after the Irish Open in Galgarm in a couple of weeks, and you have like, um, oh yeah, it's COVID, so you can only have like six people at a table. Who's at the table? Oh, what a question. <laughs> um, six people. Anyone you want, dead, alive, golfer, celebrity, girlfriends, mother-in-law, whoever. Off we go. Okay, Tiger Woods, Denzel Washington, Michael Jordan. Who else? (laughs) There are three good ones there. Yeah, I would have, I'm going to go with a few females here. Nicole Scherzinger. Great call. Emily Ratajkowski. <laughs> and who would be the last one? Um, actually, like to meet uh, Barack Obama. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I think quite he's. Pre- I think he's pretty. Yeah, I think he's pretty good. Actually, pretty interesting guy. Um, there, there, there's quite a few motivational speakers out of that one. If you're not driven after that dinner, I don't think you ever will be. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. Uh, I mean. That that Jordan documentary. I know it's a bit biased, but like I thought it was insane. Man, that's that was very good. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's very very good. I had a lot of time for Scottie Pippen until the end. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I really liked him throughout the show, and then he, yeah, even though he got all his money in the end because when he got dra- when he got drafted again. So, yeah. like I was growing up watching the Bulls on TG Car, you know, every Saturday, you know, NBA. Yeah, NBA was on every Saturday morning. Like a highlight show for about an hour and a half. Scotty Pippen was my guy. He was. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Jesus, TG Carter. Yeah. That's mad. Ten years of age in 1997, watching him get the fifth ring. Yep. Didn't know anything about basketball, but I knew who the Chicago Bulls were. Yeah, yeah. Some documentary. I actually watched it. <laughs> Started right. again. What is the plan between now and like, I think PG, I think 2020-2021 tour is officially started. Like, yeah. so what's your what's your plan, I suppose, over the next few months? Yeah, uh, great question. <laughs> it's hard to even answer, to be honest. But I mean, I'd love to obviously play as much as I can, but I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to get, obviously, if I haven't had the best resume over the last kind of year or two. So um, I will probably, I'd like to go down to like, say, Portugal or even Dubai, to Dubai, to play or practice, because um, as, as far as I know, my season doesn't really start until May. Um, maybe might get a few challenges for advice maybe before that, I'm not too sure. Um, but over the next kind of the winter, try to get better and potentially maybe do a bit of part-time work because if there's going to be no golf, I might as well make some use of the time. Maybe go into the old trading a little bit more. Sell a few um, euros. Exactly. Yeah, currencies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm not going to be I'll still work on my golf, but it's also nice if I'm home, you know, I might as well make use of my time. Um, so I'll probably do something like that. First off, what if you're about, we might get out for a game of sticks somewhere, Ireland or Carton or someplace, you know, like Lynch, 
you know. You yeah, know. yeah. I'm a member of County Loud, so if you ever want to come up, let me know. Sorted out. Stuart Grahan, thanks so much for your time and we'll all be following you. Perfect. Thanks very much, buddy. Cheers. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that chat with Stuart Grahan, an absolute gent and maybe someone to get in touch with about what currencies to trade. Um, seems to be definitely in the know around that. Um, did anybody see that Snowflake IPO? Yeah, should have been on that one. But yeah, me for one would definitely be watching uh, Stuart Graham's rise and rise into 2021 and beyond. Uh, doing some great work at the moment with David Ruddy, who was also a past interviewee on the show. So maybe you want to go and listen to that one. And if you do like these podcasts, this, these episodes, please do leave a review. Um, so that's over on Apple Podcasts mainly, where you can do that one. That, that really helps the old algorithms go up and to reach new people and, and get these stories out there into the Irish communities and, and, and beyond. So we're not doing too bad in the old US chart. So hello to all you Americans um, and the walls you do be building or, or wanting to build. Um, so yeah, that's it for this week. So next week is a doozy. We'll be chatting all about a certain tour, which is growing cult status. And I think it's going to be another thing that's going to get bigger and bigger into 2021 and beyond so be sure to tune in next week until we tee it up again soon folks i'm patty